Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, welcome to Insights. This is my opportunity to sit down with opinion leaders, authors, um, just people who have some success in their lives and get a chance to ask them some questions um, and not about sales motivation and not about how you build a business, but really about how you communicate. And I love that one of the first people I'm interviewing is Joe and his book, you know, The Storytelling Edge by Content Lake. Him and his partner Shane wrote the book. Welcome to the show, Joe. And I, I read this book in one sitting, which is, first of all, it's not that long. I mean, it's about just under 150-ish pages. But what was best is it really was telling a story. Everything you guys did in the entire book was like little anecdotes about what Shane went through or you went through, and it really struck home. And I think I learned best when someone's telling me a story? I think most people do. Um, and that's it's sort of what's a lot of the motivation behind the book was, is because, you know, as leaders, as marketers, as, you know, just people in the world, we, we want to teach people something. We want to communicate the things that we're passionate about. Um, and I think so much in modern marketing, we have gotten caught up in the sense of, I just need to speak the jargon of the industry, right? right? I need to use yep. these buzzwords about yep. the AI and power digital transformation that's going to revolutionize yep. the paradigm yep. of 2020. Yep. Uh, and we're often not saying anything, but really as human beings, what we're, we're built for are stories. Right. Um, as a species, we're addicted to story. Jonathan Gottschall, um, the author of The Storytelling Animal, yep. this great line I love, which is that... Uh, you know, even as a species, we're addicted to stories. Even when we go to sleep at night, the mind stays up all night telling itself stories. And it's really I true. We are a storytelling animal in every way. Um, and really the key to everything in our lives is stories. What are some of the elements of good storytelling? So in the book, we explore four key elements of effective storytelling. Uh, relatability. So we're naturally drawn into stories that we can see ourselves in. Uh, so this is why when we're teens, we love to go see teen yep. movies. Yep. Uh, if you go and see an older rom-com, like something's got to yep. give yep. Uh, with Diane Keaton, Jack Nicholson, right? You're going to see a lot of more boomer audience at yep. that film. Uh, it's why BuzzFeed's entire growth strategy is really effective, where we'll have you know 23 things only kids at Stanford can understand right. or 17 signs you're raised by a Jewish mother. We're naturally drawn to these stories that we can see ourselves in and that we can relate to. Um, the second key is is novelty. Uh, so our brains are programmed to actually light up when we see something new, when something new enters our environment. Uh, this is obviously really helpful if you imagine you're a caveman, you're around a fire, there's new threats that come into your environment, new people, new lessons about where food is yep. uh, or about how the weather is acting or what migration patterns should be. Uh, those of us who respond more to new things tend to pass on our dreams and survive. Uh, but this also happens when we perceive, receive this information via story. If there's something right. new in the story that we haven't seen before, we're much more likely to perk up and we're much more likely to remember it. Uh, the third uh, is fluency. Right. So this is this idea that you want to make it as easy as possible for someone to get absorbed in the story that you're telling. You want to break down that barrier between you and your audience. Uh, this is something a lot of companies struggle with, right? right? We have white papers uh, that are... So can I just ask yeah. question in? So yeah. I'm a... Death by PowerPoint. 
So yeah. when you talk about corporations and besides white papers, it's like, I mean, you can't, PowerPoint's supposed to be speaker support, right? It's not supposed to be your script. Mm -hmm. So is creating a PowerPoint not telling a story, right? I don't think you'd say that. To, well, creating a PowerPoint isn't telling a story, but I do think that you can tell a story through a right. PowerPoint. Okay. So think about, uh, think about your pitch deck, right? Yep. Sales narrative. Yep. I would argue that uh, it's actually something we go over in a content strategy course we made recently at Contently, that a pitch deck is a great opportunity to, tell, to follow a classic storytelling right. pattern in the narrative. Uh, you want to start, say, in your, that pitch deck with the exposition, right? right. Say I'm selling Contently or any right. sort of startup. Like, right. what, what's, what's the stage? What's happening in our industry? What's happening in marketing or content right now? Uh, and then get to the rising action, right. right? What are the stakes? What's at hand? Who are going to be the winners or losers? Then you show the promised land. Right. What, where can we get to? And then you can have the falling action, which is what does the actual solution look like? Right. And the resolution, how will I help you? Any but you have, to do with, you have to do with, you know, with the story in mind, right? Or a formula, right? It's not just slide, 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 right? No, yeah, but you, I think people tend to say, like, think of, think of some mediums as storytelling mediums and other mediums okay. as not storytelling mediums. Right. I think anything can be a storytelling medium. Uh, it's simply about how are you practicing the principles of good storytelling in whatever medium right. you are. So you might be stuck uh, creating a lot of PowerPoints. I would challenge you every time you sit down to create a PowerPoint, right. what is the story in that PowerPoint? If you're right. creating a PowerPoint without a story, even if you're presenting just data to your board, yep. what story are you telling yep. with that data about where your company is and where you're going? See, I love that. All right, so when you were doing all this and coming up with the book and working with Shane, what were some of the most surprising things that you found about how our brain governs our emotional responses to a good story? It's, that's actually a really interesting question. I, on one hand, one of the most interesting things was how much the neuroscience research validated what we instinctively okay. have known about stories in terms of the fact that the classic story arcs from the hero's journey to Vonnegut's six archetypes of stories yep. actually held up. You know, right. like this, our brains do respond to this, um, which is fascinating. Uh, but in, especially since the book, I've done more and more, I've spent more and more time with neuroscientists doing different sorts of research. Um, I actually just finished a study uh, that we conducted last week mm -hmm. with a company a couple blocks from here called NeuroInsight, uh, where we tested three democratic political ads uh, that were very narrative-centric right. to see how people responded to them. Uh, and NeuroInsight has some really exciting new technology that shows uh, memory encoding right. in the brain. So the moments in a story where I'm going to remember this brand or I'm going to remember right. this message. Um, and in that, when you drill down into like the second-by-second second analysis of the story, I think that's where a lot of the surprises come. Because you, uh, you see things that you wouldn't have seen otherwise, both in terms of how certain points universally affect right. people, um, but also how stories often transcend the bias that you had coming into it. Um, so in this study, which I can't get too much weight yet because we haven't finished analyzing all the right. data, uh, the candidate who performed best was not actually the candidate who most of the voters came in supporting 
to begin with. Um, and so a lot, I think, of our assumptions about what the study would show uh, were flipped on its head so much based on the power of the narrative in the ads that, that was being told. I love that. I can't wait to see when, when that's done, like the yeah. whole report. Yeah, we're hoping to get it in a, a pretty big publication. Oh. So I, I can't <laughs> wait crossed. to read it. Oh, it's definitely going to happen <laughs> for you guys. All right, so here's a question I got for you. So how should brands and companies frame their story in the hero's journey? It's another one of the fascinating things I read here. It's so common sense, and I fall into it every time when I watch a movie. Yeah. I love the hero's journey. So, And what is the hero's journey, yeah. so they know? So Hero's Journey is a, a classic storytelling archetype, and it's really centered around the, the conflict and intention that we go through in the story, yep. uh, that thing that keeps us on the edge of our seats. I think that's ultimately, as opposed to just always using the Hero's Journey, yep. like the Hero's Journey is one storytelling right. archetype that is right for some stories, um, but I think the underlying principle behind all storytelling archetypes um, is probably the most important thing for companies to understand, uh, which is that sense of tension right. in a story, uh, which a lot of companies shy away from, because we don't want to talk about like challenges. We don't want to talk about what's not going well in our right. industry. Uh, we don't want to talk about like actual hurdles that our customers had to overcome in, say, a case study video. Uh, we want to sugarcoat everything and make it seem like everything is hunky-dory. And you know, Aristotle described tension as uh, the gap between what is and what could be. Yep. And the key to a great story is opening this gap and closing it over and over again. Okay. So think about, like, what's your favorite rom-com? My favorite rom-com? There's so many. Um, I think it has... Wow, I'm actually stumped right now on what my... What's your favorite rom-com? Uh, all right, so it's holiday season. So I love Love Actually. All right, love right? Actually. All right so actually that's one of my favorites, too. Yeah. Um, a little bit problematic, yep, yep. It, but like, so something about love actually like gives me all the warm and yep. fuzzies, especially around Christmas time. And this is an interesting one because there's a lot of different yep. narratives in there, right? But with everyone, say with uh, you know, with uh, the little boy and the girl yep. that he's in uh -huh. love with, there's this gap between what is and what could be, yep. right? He's in love with this girl in his class, yep. but she doesn't even know he exists. So he decides to learn the drums. And he starts to close that gap. And it seems like he's really going to yep. close the deal and he's going to get this, you know, get her in his life. Yep. But then she's moving uh, to London. So this gap opens again, or she's moving, I forget where she's moving, in the actual movie. And then he starts to close it again. But then right as it seems like he's killed the last performance, she's leaving for the airport. And that gap opens again. And he has to run through the airport right. And kiss her at the end of the terminal. And it's like this hugely satisfying moment, right. but it's what keeps you emotionally engaged. It's yep. this gap between what is and what could be. And, and this is what keeps us on the edge of our seat in action movies, in thrillers, in Ocean's right. Eleven. Anything you can think of um, is the sense of tension. And that's the biggest key to storytelling that anyone in any situation needs to embrace. All right. Can we use an example? Like, how did G get it right? So... Yeah, G is one of my favorite examples of brand storytelling. So a big part of GE's turnaround about a decade ago um, was the way that they started to reframe how they identified as a company, right? right? From, yep. a pure, from an industrial company to an innovative yep. uh, technology company. And a big part of that was GE Reports, which is their corporate blog. It's like centered a lot both for GE Beats as well as yep. investors. That looked that does 
what uh, Tomas Kellner, their editor-in-chief, uh, calls uh, shoe leather reporting uh, yep. about the work going on inside of GE. So GE, this company with all these amazing breakthroughs being worked on, you know, from solar energy and wind energy and jet engines and, and travel around the world um, that, you know, normally only get released when it's a finished product and it's a press release. But what Tomas did, he came over as an editor from Forbes, and he built this program in which they just did reporting, breaking news on the innovation happening inside GE and talking to these engineers and scientists who are super geeked out to talk about this new wind turbine yep. they're developing. Uh, and those stories were so well told and across a ton of mediums. They were one of the first brands on, on Periscope. Uh, they really embraced a lot of the early live streaming on Facebook and Twitter. Tomas would go up in like these little one-seat airplanes and shoot these really cool videos, uh, as well as just normal articles with really nice photography. And they were able to go viral on Reddit. They right. built up this huge mailing list of people who just wanted these updates because it was just pure storytelling um, about really cool innovations. But inherently, it promoted the brand, right? It made you yep. think of GE as, well. Wow, this really innovative, cool company that could save the world, that could yep. help us uh, tackle all of our challenges with climate change. Uh, and yeah, that, I think, is just such a great example about the type of storytelling you can do because every company has really interesting right. original right. data, innovations, yep. things they're passionate about. But they How need an innovative way and a way that's going to engage the audience to really care, right? Yeah, but I don't, I don't think the formula is that right. complicated. Like you have, Then why doesn't everyone get it right then if it's not complicated? I mean, how many companies are willing to hire uh, a really good journalist and let them loose inside their company reporting very on few. everything right, going few. on inside of it? Right. There's everyone. People are scared. Right. They're scared to not have everything be super controlled, to be in this tight PR Tupperware container, okay. uh, and they are. They think that it has to be more complicated than it is. That storytelling somehow has to be this $100,000 investment that your agency is pitching on. Like, that's a lot of the principles that we just built around Contently, where, you know, at the core, what we do is, you know, we use our content strategy technology to tell you what, con what sort of stories you should be creating, and then we have the richest and most highly rated roster of freelance creative journalists and storytellers and videographers on Earth, and then we work with the companies to really, like, let them loose telling stories that people awesome. understand and it it works like that's it's not very complicated at the end of the day love that. and that's i don't know for me that's no it's a frustrating I, thing looking at our industry right. i think is the aversion to just letting right. great storytellers do their thing right and we all have incredible stories all right so with the limited time we have left can you give me a couple examples of some you know some organizations telling the story that you love I I love Patagonia. Why? Uh, well, I mean, they do beautiful storytelling. Right? Yep. They really they transport you to the world that they love in the short films that they make, in the articles they post in their blog. Like, if you're someone who's a Patagonia nut, you know, you generally like love going on outdoor explorations. They transport you to those worlds. But it's also there's an authenticity to it, and it's a very overused word or in our industry, right? Authenticity. But Patagonia really backs it up. You know, they've given over almost $200 million to climate change causes. Yep. Uh, on Black Friday, which 
you know, we were coming up here. Uh, they shut down their stores, but opened it up for just allowing you to repair your existing Patagonia goods so you don't, like, have to waste, you know, more material in the world. And their stories they tell just tie so tightly to their values as a company. Uh, so they're one example that... Give me I one think more. Is, ...is really admirable. Uh, one more. God, there's a lot to choose from. Um, I... I think I've been focused a lot on financial services okay. uh, storytelling lately because that's key vertical for us uh-huh. from a marketing perspective. It's one we're going after a lot. Uh, I think that Chase actually does a really good job of the stories that they tell uh, because they tell very fluent stories for people. They do a lot of animated explainer videos. Um, some of them through us. Some they did this series also through Now This that's really good. Uh, it's the social yep. video empire, and they're very like simple in-stream videos that cost almost nothing to make yep. but are very effective and very shareable. Uh, they do longer form storytelling about their CSR work. They do very good personal finance advice on their blog. And I think in an industry that's really tough to tell good stories or seems like it's really tough because of the compliance regulations, uh, they're a great example as well that's you know very different side of the coin than Patagonia. Can I ask you to tell one of the stories from the book that I kind of love? how the homeless man, by changing his messaging, was able to get more people to give him money? Sure, yeah. It's the story of Jock and the Beggar. Um, named Jock, who uh, about 100 years ago, he walked by a beggar. Um, beggar was asking for money, saw that he was getting uh, no, getting nothing. Um, and Jock was a, a poor artist, so he went to the beggar and said, I can't give you money, uh, but can I rewrite your sign? Um, so he wrote a sign, and the next time he sees the beggar, beggar, blind beggar, and he says, you know, I don't know what you wrote, but my life has been changed since you wrote it. I'm getting so much more money every day. Uh, and what he wrote was, spring is coming, but I won't see it. It's a very simple story. Uh, I think it shows the power that a few words, that even the shortest story, uh, can have transform the way we see a person, yep. the way we see a company, the way we see ourselves. Even when you tell a story, and I've read it now three times in the book, it kind of moves me, right? Just hearing those simple words, you know, I guess it gets your oxytocin going, right? Yeah. And you write a lot about how oxytocin has. And if anyone doesn't know, let's end with this. How, why does it have such an importance on how we see everything? Sure. So oxytocin is a neurochemical in the brain that fosters uh, a sense of empathy and human connection. And we didn't know a ton about oxytocin uh, until about 10 years ago, but uh, it's something that we've had a lot more research on, in part because the U.S. military funded a lot of research on it for propaganda purposes, which you read about in the book. Uh, and essentially what we figured out is that oxytocin, which previously we only knew appeared when, say, like mothers were with their children, actually is fostered in this very much the same way when we hear a great story. So when we hear a great story, we feel this sense of empathy and human connection. Uh, it makes us care. And that's, that's the thing that the book's really about, is that stories do two super important things. Stories make us remember, yep. and stories make us care. I think that's the perfect way to end the interview. Anyone out there, who, you know, every business or anyone internally at Entrato or any of our customers and prospects, Every time you're dealing internally or externally, you're telling a story, 
and you need to get your audience engaged and care. Um, Joe, thank you so much. I love the book. I highly recommend it. And I can't wait to see what comes next from you and Shane and Constantly. Thank Great. you very much, thank my you. friend.